Good morning. I'm James Hellman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, September 27th. In today's news, the DHS Inspector General put the director of FEMA under surveillance for months to document his misuse of government resources. President Trump accuses China of interfering in U.S. elections without evidence. And House Democrats put the debate over Nancy Pelosi's future on ice until after the midterms. But first, the big idea. President Trump on Wednesday placed himself at the center of the anguished national debate over sexual assault, suggesting in his defense of embattled Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh that the Me Too movement is, quote, very dangerous. And he says it unfairly threatens an elite class of powerful men, including himself. Trump's expansive argument cast doubt on the credibility not only of the three women who have accused Kavanaugh of sexual assault, but also on scores of other women who have claimed sexual abuse by prominent men. When I look at what's happened to the reputation of a great gentleman, a great intellect, a brilliant man, somebody that has a chance to be one of our great Supreme Court justices in history, intellectually, I think it's a shame. Yes, please. In his defiant rush to rescue Kavanaugh, Trump effectively sought to draw a line in the sand against the growing number of allegations that have felled male authority figures in politics, the media, and business, including many, Trump acknowledged, who have been his friends. During a freewheeling 81-minute news conference Wednesday in New York where he's attending the UN General Assembly, Trump was asked whether the sexual assault or harassment allegations brought against him by more than a dozen women, claims he denies, has influenced his thinking about Kavanaugh's accusers. Well, it does impact my opinion. You know why? Because I've had a lot of false charges made against me. I'm a very famous person, unfortunately. I've been a famous person for a long time. But I've had a lot of false charges made against me, really false charges. I know friends that have had false charges. People want fame. They want money. They want whatever. So when I see it, I I view it differently than somebody sitting home watching television where they say, oh, Judge Kavanaugh, this or that. The president says he stands by Kavanaugh, but he also left open the possibility of withdrawing his nomination if he's persuaded of the judge's guilt after watching Thursday's testimony from him and his first accuser, Christine Blasey Ford, before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Some of the first cracks in confidence emerged inside the White House on Wednesday as a third woman came forward alleging sexual misconduct against others by Kavanaugh in high school. And there were growing worries that the nomination might go down. Julie Swetnick, a Washington, D.C. resident who has a government security clearance, said in a sworn declaration that Kavanaugh was physically abusive toward girls in high school and present at a 1982 house party where she says she was the victim of what she described as a gang rape. The Washington Post has not independently verified her allegations. But there also was a hardening resolve among Republicans to forge ahead and fight back once it came out that Swetnick's lawyer is Michael Avenatti. He represents Trump accuser Stormy Daniels and is toying with a 2020 run for president as a Democrat. Senator Lindsey Graham, the Republican from South Carolina, said, for example, that the fact that a third accuser has come forward made him suspicious. Uh, Here's what I think. If you went to a party once where people were being drugged and gang raped, you wouldn't go to the next night that you would tell somebody. And that you have an obligation, if you see people being abused, to come forward and say something about it, if not for yourself or them. 
so I'm very suspicious of this. He says he doesn't know the lady. He says he never hung out with the lady. And the more we know about the difference in age and time, it, it smells bad to me. I've been very suspicious. Trump and his advisors and allies express genuine anxiety about what Ford is going to say during her testimony. Aides at the White House have found it difficult to mobilize surrogates, especially female high school friends and other women who know Kavanaugh personally, to blanket the airwaves defending the judge's character. Republicans hold a slim 51 to 49 advantage in the Senate, so they can afford only one defection, assuming all the Democrats oppose Kavanaugh. Vote counters are closely watching a handful of pivotal senators, especially Susan Collins from Maine, Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, and Jeff Flake from Arizona. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, a new report from the Department of Homeland Security Inspector General says that embattled FEMA Chief Brock Long used government vehicles and staff on 40 personal trips. The report says that investigators took the unusual step of secretly surveilling Long over five months from December until April. The trips included a family vacation to Hawaii. And Long continued to use government vehicles for private use even after he received repeated warnings. Four of Long's aides took a total of 25 trips to North Carolina with him, none of which involved official business. They stayed in hotels near Long's house while waiting to drive him to and from Washington. They were all paid overtime for doing so. These unauthorized trips cost taxpayers at least $94,000 in staff salaries, $55,000 in travel expenses, and $2,000 in vehicle maintenance. The Department of Homeland Security declined to answer questions about the report, referring instead to a joint statement issued last week by Long and Secretary of Homeland Security Kirsten Nielsen, who said she had ordered him to repay the government, quote, as appropriate. They have not yet agreed on what that means. Number two, Trump directly accused China of interfering in U.S. elections during his remarks at a U.N. Security Council meeting yesterday, asserting without evidence that Beijing was doing so in retaliation to his tariffs. The president also hinted that he plans to blame China if Republicans lose seats in the midterm elections. He declined to mention Russian election interference. Afterwards, in a hastily arranged press call to try justifying his remarks, a senior administration official told reporters that they can't mention any specific examples of activity that would constitute interference except that China has hurt, quote, farmers and workers in states and districts that voted for the president, which is not what Trump said during the U.N. Security Council meeting. And just last month, the president's top national security advisors said at a separate news conference that they have not found any specific examples of interference by Beijing in the elections and that Russia is the only party that has been trying to interfere. Chinese officials also deny the allegations. Number three, House Democrats on Wednesday, took their debate over the leadership of Nancy Pelosi off the front burner, agreeing to postpone an internal fight over election rules that could have undermined her grip on power. Pelosi's allies cast the delay at a private closed-door meeting of the Democratic caucus as a sign of her resilience and popularity, even as Republicans continue to spend tens of millions of dollars across the country trying to tar Democratic candidates by associating them with her. But the handful of dissidents say they won't abandon their push to get rid of her and to change the rules to make it harder for her to stay on. They say they'll just delay it until after the midterms to preserve the patina of party unity as Democrats work to retake the House majority for the first time in eight years. In other congressional news, Republican candidates have now largely abandoned plans to tout the GOP tax law in the run-up to the midterms. They're instead pivoting to focus more and more on immigration and crime instead. 
GOP strategists tell us that this decision was made because public sentiment has crystallized around the belief that the tax cuts were primarily a boon for the rich and big corporations, even though it was Trump's top legislative achievement. Democrats in turn have gone sharply on offense against the tax cuts in a number of races instead of struggling to defend their no votes, which Republicans had predicted would be the case. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, September 27th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.